You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans, and thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And before we get into the show today, we got to give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code word THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings fantasy lineup and baseball fans. You may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now, download the DraftKings app now, and use promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And uh, let's get right into it. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers were in action over the weekend. They fall 5 nothing to the Calgary Flames. Obviously, not the result that they would have wanted, but factor in a few things. There was some fatigue. There was a lot of travel for the Oilers, a lot of games being played in a short span, and uh, you know, that is going to take a toll on these professional athletes. As much as we think that it won't, uh, there is going to be a little bit of wear and tear, and I think for the Oilers, that was a prime example of it. I don't think Dave Tippett's going to be uh, holding that film over top of them after that performance, and one other thing that kind of bugged me about that game was, of course, that the Oilers did have their celebration of life for the late Colby Cave, who passed away last year on Saturday, and they planned it on this day because it was supposed to be a day off. Of course, the NHL schedule makers had to shuffle some things around with what happened with the Vancouver Canucks, but Saturday was not the day to have the Oilers play a game. That's one where they should have been in Edmonton to mourn the loss of Colby Cave, be there for his family, and take that one in. And instead, the NHL has them playing a game on the night of, and I just did not think that that was the right move. We heard Connor McDavid mention it as well, and on the pregame show, Tom Gazzola and myself thought that, you know, that might be a point of inspiration for this team and and you know maybe it works out as a benefit of course hindsight is 2020 that was not the case and uh hopefully the NHL learns from their mistake with this one because just not a very good move in my opinion but we'll move on the Edmonton Oilers will as well they're set to take on the Vancouver Canucks on Friday but of course on Monday it was the NHL's trade deadline and there was a lot of Oiler fans out there clamoring for some deals looking to get some additions to make that late season push but for the Oilers it really wasn't there of course they do bring in Dmitry Kulikov from the New Jersey Devils defenseman uh, not really an offensively skilled player a uh, couple assists this year no goals playing in Jersey for him, they uh, send a conditional fourth-round pick in 2022. Now, that could be a third-rounder if the Edmonton Oilers do go to the playoffs and win a round. So, overall, I would say I like the move for the Edmonton Oilers. I think that, yeah, you know, he, he's not Taylor Hall. He's not going to go up on your top six and uh, help the offense out. But I think Dmitry Kulikov can be someone who makes the Oilers tougher to play against, uh, tougher in their own zone, helping to prevent goals, and that's a good thing for the Oilers. We're going to talk about that quite a bit here on the show tonight. We've got a lot of great guests coming up. We will talk to former NHLer Jason Strudwick. He, of course, won half of the Jason Greger Show on TSN 1260. And I wanted to have a former player on to talk about trade deadline. And what's it like inside a room when you know one of your teammates is going to be shipped out and can it disrupt the chemistry is there optimism what happens from inside the room jason stradwick will talk about that as well as the move made by the edmonton oilers today as a former defenseman you know he's going to have some strong opinions there we're also going to bring in a zach lang he of course news director for oilers nation and the nation network you can give him a follow on twitter 
at ZJ Lang. And uh, we'll talk to him about the Edmonton Oilers, the move that they made today, of course, maybe some moves that they didn't and perhaps could have. What happens in the offseason now that they'll have a little bit of cap space and basically just his thoughts on the state of the Oilers as they head down their final 14 games looking to lock up a playoff spot and get things rolling. And as always, on our Tuesday editions of the Other Connor Podcast, we will bring in Jeffrey Ulrich from DraftKings Nation. Of course, follow him on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. But let's start things off with the big man himself, Jason Strudwick, over 600 games played in the NHL. He saw a couple of trade deadlines in his time with the Oilers and the Rangers, the Blackhawks, the Canucks, the Islanders. Struts, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, excited. I'm excited for this playoff run and for uh, what's coming up the next uh, month or two. Well, Struds, we'll get into the uh, the trade deadline and what the Oilers did, but I wanted to bring you on to have a player's perspective of what it's like on trade deadline day. So going back to your playing days, I'm sure you, I mean, I know you went through it a bunch of times, but what's it like for a player knowing that, you know, the makeup of a team could change one way or another at some point throughout the day? And, and in most cases, knowing it's inevitable. The idea of having hockey games on trade deadline day is just stupid. Like, they've got to change it. It makes no sense. I mean, you're, you're, whether you're playing or not, you're still watching. Whether your team's a seller or a buyer or neutral, you're still watching what's going on, and you're not 100% you know, dedicated or prepared for any game that's coming. And if you trade someone away, it's sadness. If someone's coming, maybe you're excited. Or you're wondering, how do I fit in now? You know, they just traded for whatever, another left shot defenseman, and I'm out. And that happens to be at the Rangers. You know, we had Santos Ojolis was traded. Uh, we traded for him. Had a good guy, good player, and he came in, and boom, old Uncle Strutty was out. And that's fine. I mean, I, I know that's how it works. But, um, you know, it's still like, oh, my God, come on, I'm out. So it's unsettling, right? So I, I just think to clear the deck for one day, I mean, come on. I don't think it makes it that much harder. So, um, but for the guys in the room, you know, if you're, if you're a team, you just added a few people. If you're trying to make beliefs, you're excited. You, know, you just look what you added. You're like, man, we're, we were good. Now we're even better. Um, if you're Winnipeg, you're probably wondering, well, how come we didn't get another D-man? You're like, well, what's going on there? Or if you're the Avs, like, do we have enough goaltending? So it's, it's always, you know, the first, it takes a couple of days and you settle right back into your new rhythm and the new guys come in and get settled. Although now of quarantine, that makes it a little bit different. But yeah, I know what it's, 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 it's always filled with a lot of question marks because you're watching everybody in the NHL, not just your own team. Have you ever been a part of a team where somebody comes in or someone goes out and it just kills the chemistry that you guys had? No, you know, I don't think so. I mean, um, you know, we got Ozo in there and, you know, and he, he came in and he was a great guy. Um, you know, I, I didn't really find it shook anything up. I mean, quite frankly, it affects one or two guys in the lineup, right? It doesn't affect the whole team. And then usually, you know, the guys that are traded – it's pretty rare to find uh, bad people in the NHL to play hockey. Um, and so they come in and they kind of feel their way around a bit and they, they you know, usually know someone or know someone who knew someone on the team. So you kind of get that instant chemistry. Then the good teams, like the close teams, they, they, they make sure that guy feels comfortable right away. You know, like, hey, here's your stall. These are the trainers. This is what you're doing. You know, even for something as simple as when you go out on the ice, uh, you got to find out where, where I kind of stand, who do I high-five and all that. But it comes around pretty quick because, quite frankly, everyone's excited to get you. It's, it's a new start, and they're all hopeful that you'll be, if not the solution, part of it. So now on trade deadline, I'm sure everyone's on Twitter taking a look, seeing what's happened. But early on in your career, I mean, would you guys have T.S. Sun on in the locker room, or was that kind of a, a forbidden thing to do just to try to stay up to date with what's happening? Oh, we did. We'd have it on. I mean, I don't remember at the beginning of my career, but definitely towards the end. And I remember that uh, Dustin Penner, we were all sitting around in an old Rexall dressing room uh, just having lunch. And all of a sudden, oh, confirmed, Dustin Penner traded. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm out of here. And two seconds later, he walked to J.J. Bear. They, they wanted, the coach wants to talk to you. So <laughs> it was like boom, boom. And uh, I, I don't like it when the players find out that way. I think it, it sucks. I think that they deserve to hear it from the manager first, or coach. Uh, but you know, there's there's whispers everywhere. You can't you can't lock those up. But um, yeah, I'll never forget that. Sometimes like, oh, okay, I guess I'm out of here, guys. And they traded him. I think for I think it was the first rounder that turned into Clefbaum, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong on that, but yeah, that's kind of it was so quick. Wham, bam. See you later. So obviously when that trade happened, you guys probably knew that you know something would happen with Dustin Penner. But you know, for a guy like that, I mean. Is it, is it kind of excruciating just waiting for it to happen? And then for you guys being his teammates, like, how do you even go about that? Well, I mean, you feel bad for him, right? Like, especially if he wants to stay. If a guy wants to stay, like, you feel bad. Or if he wants to go, you're like, okay, good for you. Um, 
and then sometimes it just happens, and a guy is, it just doesn't even know it's gonna. It just just obviously happens. Um, so I think that's. You know, I remember I think Kevin Weeks got traded. I was with Vancouver, and he got traded to. Or we traded for Kevin Weeks, actually. Sorry, we traded for him. And um, you know, I was like, okay, well, here he is, right? And we were all like, okay, I didn't really expect that to happen, but then he came. So it's kind of a, it's it's always a weird situation in the room, and everyone reacts differently. Um, you know, at times you're you're upset, sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're indifferent. But as you get older, it gets easier. I remember the first couple times you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. But after a while, like that's just the way it is. That's the business, right? People come and go. Um, and you, you just hope that wherever your friend's going, your teammate, that he's going somewhere where you can, they can have success. And I think that's what you, you hope for. Yeah, and for Dustin Penner, good memory strides. Uh, it was Colton Tubert, a first-round pick who turned into Oscar Clefbaum, and a conditional third-rounder that turned into uh, Daniil Zharkov, who obviously didn't really pan out for the Oilers. Uh, how about for you? Were, were there any ever a point in your career where you thought you might get moved on deadline day? Yeah, you know, when I was with the Blackhawks, actually, there was a rumor going around that I was going to get traded to Buffalo for Brian Campbell. And Darcy Regeer had been my GM when I was with the Islanders. And Darcy Regeer, and, and he was Islanders, or the, the Buffalo Sabres GM. And I remember thinking, like, are you crazy? Like, that guy's a good player. And, like, there's no way they'd make that trade, you know, because I'll be forever, I'll be like, oh, you remember when they traded Stradwick for uh, Campbell? Like, just always the butt end of jokes. And I was like, I was actively rooting to not get traded for that guy. Like, I was fine to go to Buffalo. Like, I didn't care about that. I just didn't want to be traded for someone who I knew was good. Like, and that's a lot of times, you know, we, 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 you know, we look at the media or the fans and we're all like, oh, we know how good this guy is or whatever. You know, the players know. The players know who the good players are, you know, and guys that are or young players that are coming or good players that are maybe getting older. Like, the players know it all. Like, they, they are dialed in. So I was I was so scared to get traded for him because I didn't want to be that guy. And like you know, like who was it that got traded for Marcus Naslin? Uh, you know those those Stoyanov so years ago. And you're like, oh god, I, I did not want to be that guy. So yeah, I was I was like, please no. And luckily, I didn't get traded for him. Yeah, you can always be that guy in the fan base that's known as yeah, we gave him up for him. I think that like those conversations still go on, and you don't want to be that guy, but. Glad, uh, glad you didn't uh, become that person, Struddy. Uh, I want to ask you about this as well. We're just moving on from trade deadline. Of course, on Saturday night, it, it kind of is almost forgotten at this point. But the Oilers looked uh, not too great against the Calgary Flames, uh, dropping the big five nothing loss. When you're a player and you have a week in between games, how long does that sit in your memory? Like, are are they still like, well, you know, that would have been nice to win, so we went <laughs> took this big break with a uh, a good note, a positive note, or? Is it forgotten a day later? I think that game was so messed up. I mean, four games in six nights traveling, and then uh, the uh, virtual funeral of, of Kobe Cave. And I, I don't think we really appreciated, and I, I'll include myself, the impact that could have on a team. Right? Like that's not a. It's not. I wouldn't call it an uplifting experience. You know. Uh, you know. Uh, having taking time to remember the uh, the, the, the Kobe Cave and his family, the impact and. You know, and I, I, I guess the NHL had to have a game that night. I don't know, you know, what, exactly if they knew that this was even happening, but it just, it just was a tough day. And I, it, the Oilers looked drained to me. They looked like they had nothing in their tank, and it showed up in the score. What was it, five, five nothing? I think. It yeah. Just a, a disappointing outcome. So I think you just literally park this in, a, just dump it right in, the, flush it right down, and move on. Uh, have a good week of practice. Uh, yeah, but you're excited because you have a new player coming uh, to, to to be with you. Uh, you know, they, well, not right away, but you know, in a couple of weeks. Um, but and you're getting closer to your season and closer to playoffs. So you you can't you can't even I, I wouldn't even think about that one. It just was a it was like one of those ones you chalk up. Say we don't have a chance today. Yeah, and I to be totally honest with you, Strutty, during that pregame show, Tom Gazzola and I thought, you know, you're probably going to get a motivated bunch from the Oilers uh, after going through what they went through. Maybe we should have been looking at the other side and asking why is the NHL playing this game? Because you know the Oilers had a week off after the Maple Leafs played tomorrow or Tuesday night in Toronto. Maybe you don't want guys traveling during the trade deadline, but they could have bumped that game one day. Yeah, I mean they should. Well. Yeah, they should have done something. You know, you know, then the, the, you know, there were some people talking about maybe they could have used 
move the memorial. I'm like, well, they're, they're not bumping a garage sale. You know, you're not. It, this is something that it has. It is. This is real life. Yeah. Sports and hockey is, is secondary when you look at that. For the families, out of respect for those families and his friend, his wife, like so many things. So I, I, I really think that it was a, a poor choice, poor decision by the NHL um, to have that game played Saturday. One that I, I don't suspect they'll ever do again. And I mean, you mentioned the other circumstances: four games, six nights, uh, playing on a night like that. I got to imagine. I mean, that they might be one of the rare instances where Dave Tippett says, "Forget about it." Like, they're, they're, you don't have to take anything from that game. They know the team that they are, and they can probably just move on from that one. Yeah, they play. I mean, they've been playing well. You know, like uh, it, and it, 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 it's it's a tough part of the season. Um, but this week off, I think, it comes at a good time. I look, they're at home, they're going to be energized. They're, you know, not only are they practicing, they're able to work out, get their, new, their usual meals out, get their energy up, and then hit it for the last, whatever, what do they got? 15 games left, 16, whatever, 14, whatever it is, some, somewhere around there. Hit it hard, and then hit the, hit the playoffs feeling good about yourself. Um, by that time, you'll have Kulikov in there. Um, he'll, he'll help kind of, you know, that, 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 that length and that size that donors are maybe missing back there to take away some space and time. But I, I just think it's just park it, move on, have a good week of practice, and uh, get back at it on uh, what it's Friday. Yeah, 14 games left in the regular season study. Like you said, they have been playing good hockey. So let's just say, you know, you, you coach your kids. You, you've got the right mentality here. If you're Dave Tippett, what are you doing the next few weeks or the next few days here just to make sure, you know, obviously you rest them up a little and you want them to work on things, but also keep them sharp for the game on Friday? Well, I do a lot of game-like uh, practices. So that, you know, scenarios. So like, uh, you know, like three-on-twos, uh, back-checking, uh, you know, four-checking, just reviewing it all, right? Not, you're not doing it for 20 minutes. Just a quick little review, some play down low or areas you feel are a little loose, tighten those up. Maybe, uh, you know, power play, keep working, make sure you keep that sharp. So just kind of, you know, tightening up and or sharpening areas of your game that is, it is it's not ready. And let's, let's be honest, he's not going to be practicing for an hour and a half a day. But I would guess, you know, you're probably, especially early in the week, probably, you know, 60 minutes, maybe a little less than 60 minutes. And as the week goes down, it gets shorter. You keep the pace high, um, keep the guys feeling good about themselves. We'll bang a little workout after and then send them home. Say, guys, rest, because the rest from now on, from once you hit the ground Friday, it's going to be a race till whenever they either hoist the Stanley Cup or get knocked out. <laughs> uh, Struddy, uh, as we tape this, trade deadline just passed, and the Edmonton Oilers, kind of like you said, not doing a whole lot, but they do make one trade, bringing in uh, Dmitry Kulikov from the New Jersey Devils, a guy who offensively, as Ken Holland said on the Jason Greger show, he can make that outlet pass but he's not going to be counted on to put up a whole lot of points. What do you think he will bring to this defensive group as a whole, and, and does he make it just tougher to play against? Yeah, he makes it tougher to play against, and he takes up so much space. You know, I, I look at the name of Chara, and I'm not complaining to Chara, comparing him to Chara, but Chara's a big guy and took up, or is a big guy, takes up a lot of space and changes the way that the players attack the net or, or, or uh, are able to get to the net with his reach and length and his stick length. So I think Kulikov's going to do the same type of thing for the Oilers. Take up that space, take up that area, um, you know, and maybe a little bit more, a little more grit, you know, as far as hitting and banging that they don't necessarily always have through some of the other guys. So I think it's a real opportunity for, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff to figure out who plays with who. Um, but a nice element I don't think they had, which is a, is a big guy. Now, Darnell's a big guy, but he brings some other elements. This big guy is going to take up space and, uh, you know, help on the penalty kill. And, 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 and I think it's a very positive development uh, for, for, for this team. So when you look at the pairings going down the stretch here, uh, where do you think Kulikov fits in, and, and why do you think you know he might have a potential good fit with a partner here? Yeah, I, I think I'm looking at, he's got to definitely play as one of the guys that can use the to either Bear or uh, Barry. Um, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards breaking up Barry and Nurse just because those guys both jump into play a lot, and I want to have that element with other pairings as well. So that would, I, I, if I probably in my preference, it'd probably Barry and, and uh, Kulikov and then Bear and Nurse together again. Now, you know, you know, Barry and Nurse have been playing well together, so maybe leave them together. But that's kind of how I see it shaking out. Then, he, then you've got Larson with, you know, a Russell or, or a Jones um, type setup. I, I definitely don't want Larson and um, Kulikov together. Too much of the same isn't always a good thing. 
Stratty, I, I mean, I'm sure you were on Twitter a little bit today. I did a little scrolling myself and saw a few people upset that the Oilers, you know, as an organization, sitting on their hands when they should be trying to build and, and uh, have McDavid and Dreisaitl going for Stanley Cups. What would you say to those people about being a little bit more patient and, um, you know, maybe next year becoming a buyer? Yeah, this is in the year. There's a lot of things coming at this Oilers organization for young players. Cap flexibility, contract flexibility, When's the last time we were able to say the orders had that? It's been I, I don't I don't remember. It's been a long time, especially in this pandemic. Contracts are going to be um, probably shorter, but definitely smaller in dollars amount. So you're going to be able to get more bang for your buck. It's a buyer's market out there. It's a buyer's market, people. Be excited. The opportunities that come up in order to make changes this lineup are going to be this summer. And I don't think they need a thousand pieces, but there's some areas that I'm sure Ken Holland's identified, and they're going to go out and, and get that those spots filled. The good news is some of those spots may be able to fill, be filled by a Broberg, or not a Broberg, a uh, Dylan Holloway, or a Ryan McLeod, someone like that. So there's, there's people coming. They're going to help, and that's very exciting on top of the cap flexibility. And then, um, then the ability to have so many contracts coming off the books, they can figure out what they want to do. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a really good point you mentioned. You know, if it is Dylan Holloway or McLeod, guys coming on with uh, lower cap hits, rather than going out there and acquiring guys who are making, you know, three or four million dollars or overpaying in free agency, maybe you have these guys in your own backyard on their entry level deals and, uh, could be a good way to do it. I, I like that and I'm with you. I, I kind of think I have the same mentality. I didn't think this was the year to go out there and spend a whole lot of money or yeah. uh, give up a lot of assets, I should say, going forward. Because with the cap situation, yeah, you're, you're really not there. Strutty, just a couple more for you here. Uh, looking around the North Division, obviously the Maple Leafs make some moves. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, I know you thought they kind of underperformed at the deadline. But going forward here with the additions, uh, do you still think Toronto kind of has that stranglehold as the top team in the North? And uh, do you think maybe... Two, three, four. Jets, Oilers, Canadians might uh, change positionally a little bit here in the standings. Yeah, Winnipeg should have got a demon. I don't know what they were thinking. I think that is a real misplay by them. Um, but I do think Toronto is at the class of the division. My concern for them is goalies. So they have a ton of quantity, but where's the quality at? Like, is is who's going to be able to take those spots? Um, as far as like, is Anderson going to be able to play? You know, then is, can Jack Campbell keep playing this well? Hutchinson, we saw him in the playoffs last year, and now David Riddick, the stick tosser. So you know, we're we're it, it, that's the one concern because I love Salino on that second line beside Tavares and Nylander. Uh, Man, he's going to bring a lot of stuff that, that line just didn't have, and now that pushes Simmons down the lineup. It makes everyone stronger. So really nice pickup by them. So yeah, I think it is Toronto's division to lose. Uh, but that being said, you know, I think the Winnipeg Jets could beat Toronto. I think the Oilers have played some good games against Toronto, although they've had some tough ones as well. But I, I, I think it's it's not as clear cut as everybody thinks. But if you're asking me who improved the most, it's definitely a Toronto Maple Leafs. Which is not what we like to hear, right? For their no, fan base. No. <laughs> and, you know, and maybe I shouldn't sleep on Montreal. You know, Carey Price has been coming around a little bit. Uh, you know, they added a lot of depth on their back end there. Stahl's playing in there, a little bit, you know, veteran savvy. So I, I think it, you know, I'm not saying it's a pick them, but, you know, there's, it's a pretty even, uh, other than trying to think everyone's pretty even. So I, I can't wait to see, like I said, I, I'm so excited to see what happens in these playoffs, not just in the North Division, but across it. And then you get into the, the offseason, and it'll be a crazy offseason as well. Like, hockey fans are going to be treated to some great intrigue over the next six months. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Struts, thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Great stuff from former NHLer Jason Strudwick, also one half of the Jason Greger Show, which you can hear on TSN 1260 Monday through Friday from 2 until 6. And make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Jason underscore Strudwick. He's only got 40,000 followers, and uh, he has told me in secrecy that he really wants to get to 41,000. So... Any followers, he would greatly appreciate that. And we appreciate Jason making some time to hop on the other Connor podcast here. Let's keep this oil train rolling and talk a little bit more about the team we love dearly with Zach Lang of OilersNation.com, news director also for the Nation Network. He helps out with the Oilers, Flames, Canucks, Leafs, and others. But we're not going to talk about those other things. They really don't matter too much here on the other Connor podcast. Zach, thank you so much for hopping on today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, it was a good day, busy day. Got to see some big trades and small trades, and uh, 
saw, yeah, it was a pretty good day. Now, I mean, we're going to get to the Oilers in a second here, but I loved your passion on Twitter on Sunday night when it came down that the Buffalo Sabres had sent Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar to the Boston Bruins, and um, you, like a lot of people, thought that Taylor Hall might, would have been a good fit for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, if you were Ken Holland and you saw that offer, how would you have tried to match that and try to sway them and, and maybe bring Taylor Hall to Edmonton? I think first and foremost, the Oilers should have been willing and ready to give up the 20-21 first-round pick that they have. Um, I think realistically it's an asset that the Oilers could have used here at the deadline to make the team better now um, and really try and stock up in what's a pretty stacked North division, right? You you look at what happened with uh, Toronto getting better and Montreal getting better over the last number of days. Uh, I think there was a great opportunity for Edmonton to do that. Now, I think part of it, obviously, as Ken Holland has mentioned in the last you know, four or five hours, six hours since the deadline was money. Uh, obviously, that's a bit of a tight area for the Edmonton Oilers right now, but I think there was ways to realistically make it work. Um, I think part of it, too, comes down to Taylor Hall and what he wanted, and it sounds like he was really set on, on joining the Boston Bruins. Obviously, he had a full no-move clause, so he held control of his fate no matter where he would go. Um, but I, I do think that the Oilers purely from an offer standpoint, could have offered something very comparable and, and probably something even better than, um, you know, Andres Bjork in a second-round pick for, for Taylor Hall. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest with you, when I saw that the return, and then, you know, you're also getting Curtis Lazar, who's, you know, any Oil King fan can tell you, man, that guy's going to give you an honest effort every night. Uh, were you surprised that that's all it took to get Taylor Hall? Yeah, I was a little bit. I'm, I'm surprised that nobody was willing to offer him more. I think I can understand why, though. You know, you look at Hall's raw numbers, um, and it's not very pretty, right? I mean, you know, two two goals and 17 assists uh, with the Sabres this year. Um, but, you know, I went back and watched through some of that tape, and, and even all those points that Hall was, was contributing on, he, he was still doing what Taylor Hall does, and, and he, he's an elite offensive player. And he's going to go there, and he's going to make Boston a better team. He's going to make him a deeper team. He's going to help with their scoring. Um because at the end of the day, even though Taylor Hall had a, a, a down year, uh, when you look at the raw numbers analytically, um, he was one of their stronger players this year. He made players around him better on the ice. Um, you know, he wasn't getting caved in offensively or defensively. He was actually driving play in both ends of the ice for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so I think it was a really shrewd move by Boston to be able to pick him up and, and at such a, a low cost as well. Because, you know, Andres Bjork has disappointed in his short time in the NHL so far. Um, I don't think he's exactly what Boston wanted him to be either. Um, so, you know, not only that, but you only have to give up a second-round pick in what's going to be a, a pretty weird draft, to say the least, considering so many junior teams aren't playing right now. And then they also bring in Curtis Lazar, and you're right, he's a guy who works hard, but on top of that, he's also a guy who's got some solid defensive prowess to his game. So um, yeah, I think it was a really great move by Boston to, to pick him up for the cost that they did. Now, for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Dmitry Kulikov comes in from the Devils for a conditional fourth-round pick, could jump up to a third if the Oilers were to win a playoff round. I mean, what what do you think he brings to this team, and where do you see him slotting into the Oilers lineup? Uh, I really like the move, actually. Um, I think it was a pretty smart play by Ken Holland. When you look at the acquisition cost of a, a conditional fourth that can bump up to a third, it's really not all that much. Um, you know, he's going to bring some bite. He's going to bring some snarl to the Oilers' back end, and I know those are the classic uh, buzzwords, but that's what he does, too. Um, he's a big, strong, physical defenseman, and, and I think he's going to be a vacuum on the Oilers' back end, which is something they really need. You know, he's going to push a guy like Chris Russell and a guy like William Legison down the lineup sheet, and I think that's going to be better for the Oilers. Uh, realistically, I can see him coming in and sliding in on that uh, second pairing right away and, and being an impact player. Now, it's going to be a couple weeks before we see him. Ken Holland said today that, you know, it looks like it's going to be uh, about two weeks until we see Kulikov in the lineup. But, you know, when he comes in, there's there's going to be the expectation that he's uh, able to come in and perform and, and, and be a strong defensive player for the Oilers. So I'll ask you this. Now, let's just say, you know, obviously uh, Ken Holland also mentioned in his presser today that Slater Cuckoo should be good to go by May. Uh, heading into the, the playoffs, I think safe to say the Oilers will be there. Game one, what do you think your uh, defensive pairings look like one through six? Um, that's a great question. Um, let me just think about that a little bit. I mean, ideally, I think you could put a guy like Ethan Bear with Darnell Nurse on the top pairing mm-hmm. um, and, and have the most success there. Darnell's obviously having a great season, but Barry, um, as we all know, as great offensively as he is, he, he's a bit of a, a tire fire in his own zone. And the Oilers have really been leaking defensively. 
So I think you need to try and shore up that, that top pairing. I think that's an easy way to do it. You know, second pairing, and then you can go with a guy like Dmitry Kulikov and Tyson Berry. And, and I think those two players would complement each other very, very well. You know, you've got Kulikov, who's smart and strong. Uh, he's responsible in his own zone. He can make a good first breakout pass. And then obviously you've got Tyson Berry uh, alongside him there and, and bringing that offensive game uh, with him. Uh, third pairing, you know, then I would go with a guy like Caleb Jones and a guy like Adam Larson, uh, where, you know, you got Jones who can move the puck really, really well, um, has that offensive mindset. He's able to get good, clean zone entries and exits as a defenseman. And then Adam Larson, who I haven't been very high on in the last number of years, but is having uh, probably his best season and as an NHL defenseman right now, um, uh, Adam Larson is looking really, really good. You know, obviously, I'd, I'd love to see a guy like Evan Bouchard uh, come in and play some minutes, too, but I don't think that's happening uh, this season here. You know, next year, I think it's going to be a bit of a different look uh, on the Oilers' back end with both Larson and Barry being uh, UFAs here. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think, uh, you know, for me, going uh, a Nurse Bear, Kulikov Barry, and Jordan Larson is probably the, the best defensive top six Oilers tonight right now. I like that you bring up Evan Bouchard. Now, with Kulikov coming in, do you think that, you know, after the quarantine process and all that plays itself out, getting back into game shape, do you think Bouchard might get sent down to Bakersfield? Yeah, I do. I I mean, I think it's possible. Um, I think he needs to play, right? And obviously, you know, the the nice thing is that Evan Bouchard got to complete a full season of hockey, uh, you know, playing over in Sweden this year. So it's not a total loss because he still got – uh, some tremendous professional experience over there, but at the end of the day, I think Evan Bouchard needs to be playing hockey games, and I think the Oilers should have, you know, realized, you know, a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, maybe even that Bouchard wasn't a guy that was going to be a regular in the lineup. Um, you know, I don't know how much developing you can do uh, realistically on, on the taxi squad, so. Um, you know, I think a guy like him needs to be playing. So I, I would be in favor of, of sending Bouchard down uh, sooner rather than later because the Oilers have a good long jam of depth on the defensive core right now. Um, and, it, and it doesn't seem to be that Bouchard's in favor of the coaching staff. Zach, I heard uh, Jason Strudick join me earlier on in the podcast, and he thinks that coming up in this off season, that's when the Oilers become buyers, having a little bit more cap space and um, you know, going into next year at the trade deadline. Is that something you would agree with? You think that's what happens for this team going forward? And maybe they cement themselves as, like, now they're in the window. You, even this year, I think a lot of people thought they probably should have been buyers. But going forward, this team kind of has to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at last year, the Oilers were able to get themselves into the playoff position, and uh, obviously with the pandemic and then what happened in the bubble, all was far from what uh, what anybody in Edmonton was hoping for. But, you know, heading into this offseason, uh, according to Puckpedia right now, the Oilers have about $23 million in cap space. And that's not even taking into account, you know, moving out some salary too, like buying out James Neal or finding a, a suitor for him in the trade market, as, as well as something on the in, in net as well, maybe looking at moving out Miko Koskin and, uh, and his $4.5 million salary in favor of, of another goaltender. So, Obviously, yes, the Oilers have some pretty huge moves to make. You know, they got to re-sign Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Uh, obviously, that's going to be top priority for the organization here uh, over the next couple months and heading into the offseason. But the Oilers are in a really good position here where they can go into to free agency here and load up um, and spend some money on, on some big guys that can really have an impact. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Dougie Hamilton would be willing to come to Edmonton. Uh, you know, that might be a bit of a pipe dream, but he's the top He's one of the top defensemen in the entire NHL, and he's, an, he's a UFA here at the end of the season. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way it uh, kind of shakes down. But I do think that the Oilers will be buyers uh, this offseason, and they need to make a move to shore up the top six, um, which is kind of crazy to see considering you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and some incredibly, incredibly talented players. Um, but the Oilers struggle to score offensively beyond those three guys, and we're seeing it again this year here. Um, you know, Pugliarvi, he's looked tremendous, but he hasn't quite finished the way um, I think anybody was hoping to, despite his great play um, away from the offensive zone. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see the way uh, Ken Holland kind of utilizes these assets here this offseason. And, and I still think it's realistic the Oilers look to trade out uh, of the first round this year and use that pick to, to acquire some, some big help for the club. Uh, Zach, I just go back to the game on Saturday. Obviously, didn't go the way Oilers fans would have liked, or you know, the team for that matter. But one of the things I found just completely ridiculous was the fact that the NHL had the game scheduled for that night, or you know, choosing to put it on that night, the same day of the Colby Cave Memorial. And uh, 
you know, it, it's something that, you know, going into it, I think Tom Gazzola and myself on the pregame show took the optimistic route saying that, you know, they'll probably get a uh, inspired performance after going through that. But t- maybe I'm wrong here. Do you think the NHL kind of goofed to do that on the Saturday night, putting it on the same day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that game against Calgary was, was a game that had to be rescheduled uh, for some reason. It was it was bumped from May 7th uh, up to April 10th last Saturday. You know, for the NHL to choose that day, uh, knowing that that Colby Cave service was that day, I think is uh, uh, not a very good move on their part. And you, you heard and everybody's heard what Connor McDavid had to say. And, and it was great that, that Connor stepped up uh, as the team's captain and uh, the leader with those comments because realistically it's a game that the Oilers shouldn't have had to play um, and you know they didn't have the jump that they needed to and I wasn't surprised to see you know the game go the way that it was unfortunately it's uh, an unscheduled loss you could say for the Oilers and, and that sort of a thing but at the end of the day they're they're able to have two days off uh, you know yesterday and today here well today being Monday that is and um, now they can get back to the grind on Tuesday and, and look to close out the last four two games of the regular season here. Uh, what is one thing that you think uh, you know has to improve for this team going down the stretch here, heading into the playoffs? Um, I mean, it's got it's all about the goal scoring, right? I mean, that's how you win games in the NHL. The Oilers' goal differential and their expected goal differential has taken a bit of a dive here uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Oilers aren't scoring the way they needed to score. Um, and the Oilers aren't defending the way they needed to defend. So, you know, Dave Tippett has said multiple times after some of the games recently that, you know, there's some some unhealthy trends that have kind of seeped into the Oilers' lineup and the Oilers' uh, style of play here uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and so I think defensively they really need to shore things up, and I think uh, Kulikov is a guy that's definitely going to be able to help with that, even though it's only going to be the last 10 games in the regular season. Uh, we'll see him in action for it, but... Um, you know, I think cleaning up things defensively and, and, and trying to get some more depth scoring, and that's easier said than done, too, of course. Um, but it's time for guys like, you know, Dominic Cahoon, Zach Cassie, and Alex Chase on Tyler Ennis. Uh, these guys to be making more of their opportunities that they have and, and, and providing some offense uh, in depth positions because that's what they've all been brought in and that's what they've been paid to do. And uh, none of those guys are, are really doing that the way they need to. Zach, really appreciate you doing this today. Before we let you go here, I know you are the news director for Oilers Nation and the Nation Network. Uh, what What's going on with Oilers Nation right now? What What can fans see when they head over to OilersNation.com? Uh, you can see a lot of stuff. <laughs> we recently announced a new partnership with a, uh, an investment company here in Edmonton uh, called Altitude Investments, so we've been really excited about that. Uh, obviously, you know, we've got a lot of podcast stuff on the go here recently. Um, you know, we've got the Oilers Nation Radio, the Real Life Podcast, uh, I do the live stream State of the Nations with Tyler Uremchuk and, and a couple other guys on Tuesday afternoons. Uh, and, of course, we always got tons of content coming out. So uh, me and the boys, were, we're machines. We're trying to get as much out there, and people keep coming back and keep reading. So, um, you know, come check it out, OilersNation.com, and uh, get all the latest happenings on the Edmonton Oilers. Excellent stuff, Zach. Really appreciate you doing this today, and we'll have to get you on again down the road, maybe closer to playoffs. That sounds great. Anytime. Happy to join. Happy to have you on, Zach. Make sure you give Zach a follow on Twitter at Z or Z J Lang. Lang spelled L-A-I-N-G. He, of course, the news director for Oilers Nation and the Nation Network. And like you said, check out OilersNation.com. Those guys always pumping out some great content. Uh, Tyler Ramchuk as well does an awesome job for those guys. Sometimes hops on the podcast. Uh, and we really do appreciate it. For the Oilers, as I have mentioned, they now are off until Friday when they're in Vancouver, 7 o'clock puck drop mountain time, taking on the Canucks, who obviously looks like they're healthy and will be able to participate in the NHL season once again. And then the Oilers off to Winnipeg the next night, 8 o'clock puck drop, taking on the Jets. Of course, if you need pregame coverage... Tune in to TSN 1260. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassie, and myself will have you covered 6 o'clock on Friday and then 6.30 on Saturday. Now, I know what you're thinking. What am I going to do until then? There's not a whole lot going on. The Oilers are off. I guess I could watch their post-practice comments, see what they're thinking, how they're feeling. Well, I've got a recommendation for you. Head over to DraftKings, sign up, use promo code THPN, and win some money. 
And I'm going to bring in a guest right now who's going to help you do so. Jeffrey Ulrich joins me on every Tuesday edition of the Other Connor podcast. He writes at DraftKings Nation, and you can give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. Jeffrey, I know you're a big golf fan. How was the weekend, and, and how was the Masters for you? Yeah, no, Masters was terrific. Obviously, lots of big tournaments over at DraftKings, uh, like a, a few Millie Makers going on. Um, you know, obviously just watching, you know, Hideki and, and the, the country of Japan, the nation of Japan get their first ever major championship win was, was pretty cool. I mean, uh, a guy who's got a lot of pressure on him. It reminds me a lot of when Mike Weir won the Masters, just, uh, you know, kind of a whole entire country kind of uh, watching. So it was, uh, it was nice to see him get a win. Definitely a player who's deserving of it. Now, did you see that coming? I mean, did, did you have him at least, you know, being in the race or anything like that? Uh, as far as Hideki goes, you know, he's a player I've, I've bet before at the Masters, um, you know, talented T to green definitely was up there. But this year, I'll admit, like, I didn't really see this coming. I mean, he, he's been very inconsistent, you know, hadn't had a top 10, I believe, in like over 10 starts. He, he made a couple cuts. He, he looked okay for a bit. But I think he really took advantage of the wet conditions on the weekend. And, um, you know, he just, he just struck when Aaron was hot. I mean, uh, the, the conditions, I think, last week gave everybody a little bit of trouble, and, and he just handled them the best. So I'll admit, like, I, I was not a player I was very high on going in this year. But, um, again, not shocked he eventually got a major, just kind of shocked that it happened last week. Now, I know you and I talked about uh, Corey Connors in the past, the Canadian. Uh, I mean, this guy just, for me, just continually impresses. And I've got to think in daily fantasy sports, I mean, he might not win, but he might not be a bad player to have on your team. He's becoming uh, like a, a very must roster. You know, I'd say over the last year or so, Corey Connors is just a guy. Whenever he's in the field, people are are kind of excited to see what his price is. Um, it, it's it's funny. I mean, I, I'm not sure how familiar most Canadians are with him, but I mean, this guy is is probably like a top ten, maybe top twenty, uh, strokes gain tee to green player. And, and by that, I just mean he's got a terrific long game. Like he's so consistent off the tee and with his irons that he really does sort of fit in a category with the most elite players in, in that, in that, those terms. And, you know, his putting can come and go, but recently, you know, he's, he's developed a, a more consistent sort of baseline with his putting as well. So really cool to see two top tens at Augusta and, you know, two starts in six months. It's just, it's an amazing accomplishment, quite frankly, uh, really buoyed about his future. I think you might see this guy, you know, win some big tournaments one day. I really do. Maybe not at Augusta, although he's definitely got the track record there now. But, you know, he's a guy who I think can compete at, like, U.S. Opens in the PGA as well. So, you know, a bright future for Corey Connors. Really, really going to be cool to see him, uh, you know, grow in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Still only 29 years old, so uh, lots of game yep. left for him, and we hope it happens. Because uh, yeah, he, he was like just just close enough where you you kind of had to root for him and hope he could make that run. But a real great weekend down at Augusta, as per usual. Now let's get to the hockey talk. That's kind of what we're here for. And I want to first things first, just bring up a former Oiler, Taylor Hall. Obviously, not exactly putting up the monster numbers you would have hoped or Buffalo would have hoped when they gave him that contract. They sent him to the Boston Bruins alongside uh, Curtis Lazar. Now. With Taylor Hall, I have a question when it comes to pricing. I mean, obviously, at the start of the year, you'd think, yeah, he's probably a player that's going to put up points, worth having in your lineup. As the year progresses, I mean, has, has his cost gone down in DraftKings? And now going to Buffalo or to Boston, does it shoot back up? It's really interesting with Taylor Hall. I mean, this is a player who was like, you know, a couple of, like a year ago even, you know, consistently around the 7 or 8K range. and. You know, Hall's goal-scoring goal ability has gone down the last couple of years, and it's kind of led to him being overpriced a lot. Like, you know, he was almost just priced up just because he was the former MVP for a couple of years. But this year in, in Buffalo, I mean, we, we've seen his price come down in the 4K range. Like, he's been in the 4K range on DraftKings for, like, almost a month now. He's kind of interesting there. He, you know, the, the lack of goals is obviously a massive issue, but he's still a really elite playmaker, and, you know, for under 5K, he, he brings a little bit upside now. On Buffalo, you didn't. You still didn't need to play him because Buffalo is just so terrible. But if he remains at that price on Boston, it becomes a different story. You got to figure he's going to get out there on the power play. Uh, they might even play him alongside Pasternak or something like that. Even if he just plays alongside Marchand or or maybe Bergeron, there's just way more opportunity. So you know, Taylor Hall is a guy whose prices come way way down. You're basically buying the absolute low, but. I don't know. I mean, this guy has just disappeared as a goal scorer. He's, he's, it's, it's very strange. And, and I know looking at the, the, the numbers and the advanced stats the last couple of days, you know, he's still driving the puck and all that. But, you know, you really do need goals for daily fantasy. So I'm kind of in a wait-and-see mode with Taylor Hall. I'm not necessarily sure how big a difference or boost this is going to give him. But 
It's definitely going to be interesting the first uh, few slates that he's out there with Boston. Yeah, and for his sake, I mean, I hope the best for him. Of course, a long-time Oiler, first overall pick. Uh, didn't go the way he would have liked with the Oilers for the majority of his career. Never really had that postseason success or anything, but if there's anything that can get him going, I would think being traded well, to the Boston Bruins probably helps. Hey, hey, the best thing would be if he just doesn't score the rest of the year and then he signs with the Oilers for cheap, and then he <laughs> finds a scoring touch. That's what we need to happen. So. Exactly, yeah. He and Leon Draisaitl had some chemistry back in the day. Maybe they can right. uh, rekindle that one. Elsewhere around the NHL, I mean, uh, there are some guys that were traded to probably better situations. I think Sam Bennett going to the Panthers might not be the worst thing. Uh, a little bit older, but Jeff Carter going to the, the Penguins could help out. Even Anthony Mantha, maybe going to the Washington Capitals, could be good for his numbers. Was there anyone to you who think you know their their fantasy stock just rose being traded? Yeah, I mean Mantha to the to the Caps is definitely the most interesting trade of, of the deadline for sure. You know, still a pretty young player, uh, some pretty solid numbers. I mean, the Capitals definitely gave up a lot to get him, so that was interesting. Uh, you've got to think he's going to get some opportunity right off the bat. I think the most it, – it, it's funny. I mean, you brought Jeff Carter. He's obviously a veteran. You know, past his prime a little bit, I guess. But just the situation he's going into with Pittsburgh, it, it has me intrigued. I mean, you know, Malkin out. Pittsburgh's offense has been good. I mean, they, they've been driven a lot by Crosby in that first line. But, like, they've been getting some secondary scoring. You know, they, they still have some guys there on the second line that, um, you know, they can put up a, a few points. And I think a guy like Jeff Carter could just maybe fit in there, you know, get, get him a little bit of power play one time as well. So I'm interested to see. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Jeff Carter had made, a, made perhaps just a little bit of a run there uh, on Pittsburgh. You know, it, it was a slow deadline. I mean, you know, like I said, Matt is, is intriguing as well, Bennett, I guess. But I, I think the one who could fit in, like, right away, I, I feel like, again, with the veteran and going to kind of a veteran team is, is going to be Jeff Carter. So, it doesn't sound that exciting, but I do think he could be like a cheap source of value uh, for daily fantasy here going forward. Where do you think uh, Nick Foligno fills in with the Toronto Maple Leafs? That, that's kind of an interesting one, too. I mean, you know, are they going to play him right alongside Tavares? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, if they, you know, if, if they give him like a top six role or, or something right away, I mean, definitely would become intriguing. But you look down that team, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like he's, he's a bit more of a role guy than, than anything, but. That's what I'm kind of intrigued just to see how it, it pans out. You know, if, if they give him some kind of like uh, bigger role than expected right off the bat, definitely one to keep an eye on. So let's talk about guys who weren't traded and might have some favorable matchups this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, just going forward here, you know, obviously Boston uh, coming, coming to come out of the gates kind of hot here. They've got Buffalo going forward, so. Um, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. You know, how do the Bruins respond? Obviously, from adding kind of the biggest name at, at the trade deadline, I, I think that's uh, always going to be like the, the theme of after the trade deadline. Like, how do these teams respond? Right? You know, Washington going up against Philly is another one. Uh, they made pretty big overhaul to their lineup there with uh, you know trading away a couple players. So uh, those are the two teams that, that kind of jump out to me right off the bat. Uh, another team. I, I mean, I don't think I need people to like you know, say, keep an eye on like, uh, you know, a, a team like Minnesota, but you know, the, the, the wild have been playing pretty good lately and, and they've been getting like uh, scoring sort of from all, all, um, all around. And they've got a, a pretty solid match against the Coyotes. The Coyotes are a team. I really like to target right now for daily fantasy. They're lying more shots on goal than normal. Uh, you know, they've been starting a third stringer for like almost a month now. Aiden Hill's kind of been holding down the fort, but they've been starting to, to kind of show some, some signs of cracking. So, I would keep an eye on, on the Coyotes. They're going up against Minnesota, like I said, earlier in the week. Uh, a guy like Kevin Fiala, uh, Carol Kaprizov, those, those guys have been scoring in bunches. So uh, I like, I just like Minnesota as a team, and I feel like uh, you know next week uh, with a good matchup there to start, definitely a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, and if Minnesota can somehow just wear those reverse retros a little bit more, I think that's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> that's all yeah, so it's definitely good... uh, you know a top three in terms of those uh, those new retros. Oh yeah, they look great out there. Now on the flip side, uh, obviously there's there's going to be some people that might be tempting, might be a little expensive. Who are you staying away from? Yeah, you know as as we get towards the end of the year here, you know I don't want to speak. I, it's an Oilers podcast. You don't want to speak too ill <laughs> of them, but it is a little disappointing they didn't add the secondary scoring. You know the Oilers expected goal rate. Um, you know, it's, it's fading a little bit as the season goes on here. It, it, it seems like the Stars might be getting a little bit of fatigue. Now you got Brian Nugent Hopkins out of the lineup a bit. It's a little bit concerning. I, you know, you probably are going to see Connor McDavid pull this team through anyways. 
maybe eke out a few more close wins. They're still getting good goaltending. But from a daily fantasy perspective, it's a little bit worrisome. And it makes me kind of think, like, you know, is this, should we just be staying away from the Oilers for a week or two or just, you know, like, not dabbling in them too much? Because that's kind of been, you know, the last week or so. The Oilers maybe had, like, one good game, but, like, they, you know, shut out by Calgary kind of thing and, and beat uh, again by Montreal. So it's the Oilers uh, – they scare me a little bit going forward because it, it seems like they're fading a little bit and they didn't add any help. So the studs on the Oilers, um, you know, a team, I don't want to say just stay away from completely, but uh, might be a little bit overpriced here coming up. Uh, similar story with the Blackhawks, you know, the team that, that seems to be fading a little bit. Um, you know, sort of been riding some hot goaltending at the start of the year, but the Oilers studs are, are one to kind of keep an eye on right now. You hope that they're going to bounce back. And, and like I said, Connor will probably pull this team through, but it is, uh, it is, it is concerning they didn't add any help, especially with the injury issues right now. Oh, yeah. Fatigue is definitely playing a role in that team. And uh, this uh, next little five days off stretch is going to be big. We'll see how they bounce back on Friday, but you're right. Uh, I, I think fatigue was definitely playing a role for the Oilers yeah. as of late. Now, how about goaltenders before we let you go here? Anyone you like this week? I mean, UC Saros is just a guy you gotta, you got to keep riding. I mean, uh, absolutely insane performance over the last month. Um, you know, I, I think he's up to like a 9 over a 9.94 save percentage over his last uh, 10 or 12 games. So um, Saros is a guy, you know, it's just you just need to keep riding. I mean, it's just one of these insane goalie stretches where uh, it seems to be he's going to be pulling Nashville uh, into a playoff spot or at least competition. Um, you know, around the league, you know, Connor Hellebuck's definitely bounced back. Uh, you know, he seems to always get underpriced in DraftKings. And I don't know why. I mean, uh, you know, the, he's obviously the – the reigning, um, you know, best goalie in the league, uh, as the trophy winner, and the Jets may maybe just not known as an elite team around the league. So uh, th- I guess that's why. Um, you know, definitely someone I- I'm I'm not scared of rostering. Good upside for daily fantasy purposes. I will say this too: John Gibson, uh, the the Ducks. I'd watch him towards the end of the year. He's kind of a tough season, but he's been really good over the last couple weeks. Um, it's never a bad idea to take a goalie that's super cheap when he's playing well, even if, even if he's on a bad team on DraftKings, because he's probably going to see like 35, 40 shots. And, uh, you know, if he, if he hits over 30 saves, even if he loses the game, he can put up a, a big performance. So it's more of like a big, um, you know, big field GPP kind of game theory move. But John Gibson, uh, if he keeps playing well towards the end of the year, you can get some really cheap salaries on him and uh, some good upside for those prices. Jeff, great stuff as always. Really appreciate you hopping on, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to get you on again next week. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Great stuff from Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at the Fantasy Grind. And that is going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thank you to all of our guests, Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation, Zach Lang from Oilers Nation, and Jason Strudwick, former NHLer and co-host on the Jason Gregor Show. We'll be back on Friday and on that one, we will preview a couple games for the Edmonton Oilers as they're set to take on the Vancouver Canucks on Friday night at 7 and then the Winnipeg Jets 8 o'clock on Saturday. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show today. Really do appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.